What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Today, we are chatting with a couple people. One is the co-founder of Empowered, John Salzinger, and the other is the current CEO of Empowered, Sangha Jung. We met with them in New York, and we talked about what they're doing in their mission with clean energy, specifically their solar light, and how they're using portable solar lights to empower people around the world to have clean energy and uh, light where there traditionally has not been. Currently, it's estimated that 3 billion people around the world don't have access to adequate electricity. And so in 2012, Empowered was started. Uh, John and his co-founder created a uh, something called the Lucy light. And basically it's an inflatable solar light that can be taken anywhere and have light. <laughs> the Lucy light is made to be a light way and a portable way um, to bring electricity with you anywhere. So for for people in the in the modern and developed world, it would be for, you know, for camping or your backyard or your front porch, something like that. Um, but for people in developing worlds who don't have electricity at all and use kerosene lights, it's a profoundly amazing thing that, that they can use to light their homes up at night or their huts up at night or their tents up at night to uh, read, to do homework, to do laundry and do day-to-day -day things. They can um, take it to walk to their, to their neighbor's house safely with light. And it's, it's something that I saw firsthand when, when I went to Haiti a few years ago. We stayed in a village that um, didn't have any electricity at all and at night they used kerosene lights where we played cards and uh, we talked and played games and, and read and things like that but it's very dangerous I mean if you you know if you trip or fall and tip something over I mean immediately things can be set on fire very very fast um, and then you breathe in the smoke from the kerosene um, lamp and it, it's it's not it's not great right it, it, it there's there's better ways to do it right so this is this light is an opportunity for there to be healthy, clean energy all the time in places like that going forward. Um, so I, I totally believe in, in what they're doing. And, and in the discussion, uh, Sangha talks about her experience with not having light growing up. Um, she grew up in uh, South Korea and they didn't have any electricity. So she kind of touches on what this would have meant for her growing up and, and what it, it means for people growing up in impoverished areas where, you know, there's just not the infrastructure for electricity um, and what that can bring to a person's life day to day. And to date, Empower has impacted over 3 million lives through their Lucy lights and other lights that they have with, within their product line. It's a really gen, genuine conversation that we had. And um, I'm, I'm so, so grateful that they allowed me to come by their offices in Brooklyn and beautiful area and uh, chat with them and see, meet, meet a little bit of their team and, and see what they're up to and, and see all the new stuff that they have coming out. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks. So the first thing I like to start with is, is sort of people's individual missions of, of how they get where they are. So if we want to take turns on, on your overall journeys to, to get to this point, that would be a great start. So I'm from New York and I was raised in such a way that uh, people and planet were really important to me. Sure. That was taught to me by my parents mm -hmm. and still in our whole family. Yeah. And I've done a lot of different 
jobs. Okay. So everything from Associated Press and World Television News, which was ABC News, right. to credit card merchant services with Heartland and opened my own ISO under Evo, Platinum Services. Really? I was in fashion photography for a while. <laughs> I've run nightclubs and right. events places in New York. So you're walking a documentary or miniseries on HBO or something? Uh, on ADD Career <laughs> Path. Yeah. Um, not done yet. Um, but uh, I worked at uh, a tech startup, okay. a geolocation tech startup, did a consulting company. So anyway, a lot of things. I've probably lost like five or six jobs that I should have told you about, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste your time. Most important one has been Empowered. Okay. Um, and the exciting thing about Empowered has been the opportunity to do something that has purpose and meaning. So truly sustainable, mm-hmm. develop a business model, create a brand, make money yep. and help people as an end result of that. And not only make money for myself, but for everyone who works here, sure. but for everyone on our supply chain, for all of our stakeholders, shareholders, uh, everyone involved in the company. And then the end result, the real clients as the Red Cross would call them, would be those who need the lights around the world. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to impact 3 million lives mm-hmm. in just about seven years, and half a million U.S. tons of CO2 being averted in the process, dealing with over 650 NGOs, is a lot more interesting for me than and, and easy to sell than credit card processing. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's me. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we've. I've probably had just as many jobs as you have. <laughs> we can go back and forth. Yeah, we could, That's yeah. a whole different podcast. It's just I started as a delivery boy. So. <laughs> and I'm, um, so I was born in South Korea before it was a tiger economy. Um, it was extremely poor. Uh, I grew up without running water, without electricity. And um, we actually had a kerosene lantern mm-hmm. that we would use. Um, and eventually uh, my parents immigrated and they left me in Korea. I was raised by relatives and then I immigrated by myself. Uh, to the U.S. and we grew up very poor still Mm -hmm. in the U.S. and um, we didn't have toys or books or things that normal kids have so um, I used to just read things around the house um, the shampoo bottles um, cereal boxes just anything I could find and um, taught myself English and really as I was growing up I didn't understand why the world was so unfair, why I grew up the way I did I wanted to do something about that and you know go back to um, actually I wanted to go to North Korea to try and create some change but you know I was just looking at socioeconomic conditions around the world environmental conditions and so I went to eventually study at Cambridge to get a master's degree in geography environment and development and I was on my way to getting a PhD when I stopped and I said, you know, I don't actually know how to affect change. Mm-hmm. I've now become an intellectual, a bit of a policy wonk, but um, I don't want to be one of those people who goes out into the world, creates policy that only hurts the local communities um, and creates cycles of dependency. Mm-hmm. So I took a vast detour and I decided to go into business. 
I wanted to learn something practical that I could then utilize to actually affect change. Uh, so I started working at Procter & Gamble in Europe and uh, fell in love with all things related to products, um, mm-hmm. to solving yep. you know, smaller issues that a person might have, like how do I clean myself? So I worked, you know, for Oil of Olay, Dove, Tide, sure. all the major P&G brands. And um, from there, I went to smaller and smaller companies along the way and uh, still stayed in the beauty pharma area. And then Empowered found me three years ago. And um, at the time, I didn't know that the world had changed and such things as B Corps yep. now existed yep. and that business had changed and it wasn't purely for profit. So I was astounded by the fact that this little company could exist and that they could have come up with a product product solution mm-hmm. for a real world issue. And so I came over here because it was the culmination of everything that I had wanted to do yeah. to actually be able to impact lives. And I think um, it's an amazing company for that, mm-hmm. that, you know, the people here are each talented in their own way, um, you know, in terms of the things they know how to do, whether it be design or making product, yep. and they can utilize all of these great skills and talents to to be able to affect change at the same time. And so it makes the work extremely meaningful and the engagement with our partners extremely meaningful too because we're not just creating um, products that are, you know, okay, substandard, etc. We're marketing to, you know, U.S. consumers, to consumers around the world who are smart and savvy. And we're finding that even in emerging markets, the people who use our products want them to be extremely efficient durable um, functional and cool yeah 100%. so you know it's a great little company and I'm so proud to be here yeah it's one of the I was talking earlier it's a, it's a fascinating product where um, a kid in rural Haiti can use the same product as a person in Brooklyn or a person in Minnesota or a person in New Orleans it's a very rare product where that same relationship with a product can exist in two separate parts of the world so how do solar lighting come into your lives and how how did you say okay here's a problem let's create a portable solar light or because we think of solar energy solar power these big panels right these big things that can energize cities and and farms and things like that but a, a little light like this can change a person's life if they can read at night you know so how did how did empower come into your life yeah, so I worked alongside the principal inventor, Jason Snyder, a longtime friend, mm-hmm. to ensure that we could resolve challenges that we weren't facing necessarily unless there was a disaster, but the way too many people around the world were. A uh, simple thing like light will impact so many different UN SDGs or in lay terms, um, areas of life. Mm-hmm. So whether it's education, you need light. You don't want sure. kerosene, you want yeah. clean light. Yeah. Um, in medical procedures, you don't want to choose between dim, dirty forms of light like firewood or kerosene. Great point. Noxious fumes versus darkness. The, the lights that we create um, come out of an abundant source of energy, the sun. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it really is a great equalizer. You don't need infrastructure. So geographically, uh, economically, all of the sort of barriers that are there, it sort of, you can think of cell phones or in the same way as telephones required all this copper wire. Right. But now like to be a late adopter and it probably, it's a really, really strong benefit to be a late adopter in, in many of the same markets that we serve in emerging markets. Um, to not have to deal with infrastructure is the mobile phone. Right. Um, so we think of light similarly. We think of solar light, portable products similarly. There's a lot of benefits in being off grid. Mm -hmm. um, not if there's no solar lights, but if you have a solar sure. light and you have an off grid product, Pico Lantern, as it's known, sort of the NGO arena, your light goes out, mine doesn't. I can take this anywhere I want. It's yeah. portable, it's waterproof, it's durable, it's shatterproof. It fits in my pocket. I can fill it with the sun and store it. Uh, I can use it when I need to. I can turn it off and file it away when I don't. Solar is the least expensive, uh, most efficient, cleanest form of energy we have today. Uh, and actually, when you talked about rooftop, the idea that we have something which is sort of a football into that, mm -hmm. we can educate people in the developed world on solar. They may not need the light quite as much, but it's fantastic for camping or gifting. Right. But for those that really need the light as a capacity builder, not as victims, but as a capacity yeah, builder, sure. you know, this is an essential tool mm -hmm. that we're selling that is a great equalizer for people. Um, so solar is it's sort of the formula of our company. We look around and see what's in the market or not in the market. Mm -hmm. um, and by the market, we mean the entire world. We mean homo sapiens, human beings, sure. regardless of any social constructs, I like to say. Yeah. And we aggregate technologies. We invent some technologies. And then we make it beautifully designed and make sure it's solar mm -hmm. and clean and rechargeable. <laughs> And the light, <laughs> and we'll power your phone. I know, right? and we keep going, and we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. But for us, you know, the important thing is we consider it, everyone in this company uh, a personal responsibility. We're private servants because the public servants today are not serving the public, mm -hmm. and so that's what makes the tough days easier and the good days celebratory, right? <laughs> oh yeah, is the ability to create something that helps you know everyone involved and the end result is helping people in play. the idea in the beginning was to help ngos solve the problem was it was it looking at the development the idea say? was to make a product for humans sell to retailers and ngos okay. at the same time so from the beginning it was a consumer product yeah. and so oh yeah okay. very gotcha. integral to our model uh, is scale yeah so the more we can sort of subsidize our margins mm -hmm. through retail sales, the more people around the world that really need the light yeah. can afford to buy it. And going back to, to sort of business as a way to solve problems, right? As, you know, certified B Corps and, you know, Fairtrade certified, there's all these different certifications now that put up a stamp of approval on, on a company and more and more consumers want to know what they're buying is one like you said a legitimate product right like it has to compete with stuff on the shelves i think more and more now when we think about historically when we think about products that do good they're just bracelets in a flea market made in kenya right like help support right. women workers right oh. and that's still that's still i think we have to tackle as a community we have to still educate and help people discover that 
no, these products are actually better than the ones you can buy in a store, right? They're, they're sustainably and ethically sourced. They're created by people with fair wages and they're not exploited. So I think the more and more as we as a, a, a social impact business community continue to educate and help people discover options of shopping, that's how we solve the problems that we face because you know what's a big market? Shopping and consumerism. <laughs> and if we can shift that trillion dollar market to have people shop more ethically, that's going to solve a lot of different problems problems that we face. And that's why this product is so amazing. I want people to know about it is because it solves so many different issues for so many different people. Right, like a person in Haiti that doesn't have electricity, right? They use this for something else, right? To probably educate themselves at night, be able to read. But a person that wants to get away for the weekend, they can use it for camping, right? So it solves it. It's so so flexible and has solved so many different issues. But I want to just get you guys' opinion on the movement of social impact businesses as a whole. Maybe not just Solar Light, but there's other companies out there providing a service that's impacting other lives. Yes, <laughs> we'd love to talk about that. Uh, earlier in my introduction, I spoke about the fact that when I was working in you know traditional uh, beauty companies, I had no idea that uh, the landscape was changing in the business world and that um, there were companies coming into being that uh, were focused on mission as part of their core values as well as part of their economic goals. Um, what's been really interesting is to see the other industries start to align with that. So you mentioned the supply chain, which was um, a fast one that everybody started to look at mm-hmm. uh, with Patagonia, for instance, sure. sort of leading the charge, you know, make sure that the people who are creating your product are creating it while being paid fairly and in uh, safe, clean environments, etc. cetera. Uh, what we've also seen, though, is that the people providing the monetary resources to help companies like ours either start or continue to run, Mm -hmm. um, i.e. investors, are also changing. And uh, the realm of impact investing has um, become, you know, very strong uh, all the way from individuals, family offices to now entire VC and PE firms that market themselves as impact investors. We've also seen that the area of legal resources has changed, which Mm. has been tremendous for us as a company because innovation is the backbone of what we do here. And we have over 35 global patents currently protecting our products. However, it is extremely challenging as a small company when you innovate, when you do the work to get the patents, to have other companies knock off your technology, claim you know some sort of predominance within the, the landscape of patents, etc. Mm-hmm. It becomes extremely costly to fight. It becomes extremely costly to even patent your products. Um, so uh, we're lucky that we work with various pro bono legal firms who help support social enterprise right, companies right. and their efforts so that they're not having to decide between, you know, do I innovate? Do I support, you know, the, the mission work that I'm doing or right. do I have to channel all right. of those legal dollars into, you know, finding a company in China? For yeah, instance. right. So that's been another area that we've seen change and 
as we just look around, also um, the banking industry has changed. So there are now banks that are B Corps and um, yeah. invest in social enterprises. So um, across the board, there are industries that are changing. And then we also look at all of our business partners, whether they are software providers or ad companies, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who they are, we speak to them about our mission mm-hmm. and how through their partnership and participation, we can do more. Mm-hmm. And um, very recently, we've taken that even a step further. And uh, this year, we're celebrating a partnership with Save the Children. It's their centennial year, okay. and we are one of their featured partners. So we are on a mission to be able to raise enough money to be able to contribute 10,000 lights to them. And um, we just reached out to various you know, corporate partners of ours, whether they supply our computers or right. you know, um, provide us with Google AdWords you know, advice, etc. And we said, would you like to contribute towards this campaign, um, in addition to you know giving us favorable pricing to sure. help us um, accomplish our aims, so there's a lot that we can do as a company to be able to bring others into our mission and let them also um, participate in yeah. you know shifting uh, the mindset of what you can do. I think it was a great point that you touched on about uh, impact investing because we as consumers have decisions to to shop right better. You know, I choose this product over this product because I believe in this brand, this product more, right? And impact investors also play a huge role in this and what companies are they investing in? They're the top level people that can make this really scale at a faster pace Absolutely. than it is right now. If they choose to invest as a shopper does in, in shopping socially conscious, but investing at a higher level in socially conscious, that's a game changer. That That's always been the next level, in my opinion, of where this stuff goes, is when you see these VCs look at these companies, well, we're start trying to find the next Facebook and, and right. you know Snapchat, all this Airbnb stuff, like this space can build unicorns, you know? This this company can be a unicorn, you know. You have a product that you can sell to a billion people. Guess what? That's a lot. <laughs> and, and actually, in the same vein as your question, and to that, uh, equally as important, if not even more important, we try to create participation in community, and that's not just to consumers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, or to the investment community, it's to other brands. Hundred percent. So brands that are aligned and complementary work together all the time in this space. Brands acquire one another mm-hmm. in this space. Mm-hmm. Brands actually are, uh, as a whole, brands that are either B Corps or for-purpose companies are, have, are in a really strong position to change sort of the the world. Um, 100%. Through capitalism. Yep. Um, and through uh, sort of, uh, call it a union of brands. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that what's really important right now is for, I was a sociology major, but for society to sort of get a grasp on what's really going on. Um, money, lobbying, all these other sort of areas that don't necessarily, or even politicians once they're in office, right. don't necessarily um, serve the public. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these companies have that sort of monetary um, power that lobbying firms do. Yep. And so where you shop, 
who you support as a consumer is really important. But these brands collectively working together to what you alluded to, solve problems. Mm -hmm. That's what government's supposed to do. That's why you're right. supposed to pay taxes. Yeah. If you're supposed to pay taxes, it should be to solve problems. Uh, and I think we've, as a society, moved really far away from that. And I think there's a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And within that vacuum, you're finding a lot of companies that are saying, I'll solve that problem. I got this, and it's usually more effective. Yeah, I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so um, I agree with what you just said. And, um, you know, earlier I, I mentioned that I started learning about products and selling and marketing products through working at Procter Gamble. Yeah. And they're known as sort of the first consumer products company whereby they um, built demand for products based upon, you know, how they marketed it primarily to housewives at the time and interestingly two days ago they just launched an initiative called brands for good mm -hmm. where companies like us can kind of sign up so it's not their own brands it's just brands out there mm -hmm. um, who are innovating product solutions yeah. and I think that indicates that even the biggest consumer the, the original consumer products company has recognized that there's white space out there oh, yeah. that they need to recognize and help nurture and maybe eventually acquire. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was fascinating. I mean, that's pressure from consumers, 100%. from citizens, from you can vote and you can buy. And those two things, you know, I'm pretty old. So there were unions around when, yeah, when sure. I was younger. There were boycotts around yeah. when I was younger, not just marches, right? And you got to vote and you got to vote with your dollar and you got to vote at the voting booth or don't complain. Yeah. Or yeah. don't say anything yeah. because you have elected not to elect someone or not to create policy that's in your own best interest. Yeah, the shift is happening at, at you know Fortune 500 companies, 500 companies, so to speak. They're they're looking at how they can shift right and get into this this area of corporate social responsibility. Right, it's sort of a trend word out there that a lot of these big companies have to look at because you see all Victoria's Secret closing down stores, Gap closing down stores, right? All these, the, the biggest, if you look at the, the company that owns Gap, Old Navy, the, the brightest company in their portfolio right now is their B Corp. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sure. It, 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 that's the accelerating sales for them, why Old Navy and Gap's declining. So they have to totally shift. And, and it's, that's a tough part for me to handle is because these companies are the reason why a lot of these other companies are succeeding because, you know, they're looking at these gap and only, at least me as a consumer, I like, you know what, you had your chance <laughs> and you kind of blew it, right? I don't want to reward you for now all of a sudden becoming sustainable. Or with some forgiveness, right? Some of them can change. Sure, 100%. So we're a turnkey vehicle for a lot of corporations. We have a gift program. So we're like a Tom's model for a company that doesn't yeah. have the resources to right. do that. So whether it's Amazon, right? The big Goliath, Amazon right. has worked with us to fund initiatives to Team Rubicon. Mm, or yeah. Citizen Watch has funded yeah. initiatives to Good360. Yeah. Or all these, you know, other companies now are getting on board to help us fund to save the children yeah. of the world. Yeah. International Medical Corps. We have a, a network of 650 plus NGOs that we've worked with. So we are a turnkey mm -hmm. for corporations to give light to their supply chain. It's amazing. To increase engagement, right? Consumers or employees. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's all sorts of ways for people to get involved with Empower, mm -hmm. but that's probably one of the best. Yeah. Because as a company, we again create community and we create a movement. To build upon what you've been saying, John, we also partner with energy companies, so traditional mm. energy companies, as well as clean technology right. energy companies, but for a traditional one, if you know the majority of their sales are based on petroleum products, um, we are able to help them tap into a new consumer or an existing consumer who is not necessarily brand loyal to them, but can become brand loyal through um, a marketing program yeah. that you know they may partner with us on so you know one example of a partnership that we've run several times quite successfully is um, whenever a new subscriber signs up for an energy program they receive one of our lucy lights and they're also told that one of our lucy lights has been donated on their mm -hmm. behalf mm -hmm. to one of our ngo partners in an emerging market and the statistics on that are really powerful because right. um, one energy company in particular told us that their retention rate went up by 25% in terms of loyalty and engagement after receiving our lights versus any other package that they offered, even if it was, you know, great savings package. Right. because. Their consumers also want to know that they're engaged with the company that cares enough to be able to do this kind of work. Another, another if you could nerd out here for a second, when you go back to the to the patent part of things, what is the actual? Obviously, not to reveal stuff, but what what are the actual technology that's that's fueling all this? Because obviously, that's very important. So, for for layman's, like how how could you a little explain a little bit of how everything works? Well, first off, our patents are issued in public, so there's nothing to hide <laughs> sure. on our patent portfolio. Um, as some of you alluded to before, it'd be great if that uh, right was respected more, mm -hmm. um, not just by companies, um, uh, knockoffs that you would think of maybe out of Asia, but um, companies here, right here in the sure. United States. Sure. We are very simple. Uh, we have a menu of items that we use for almost all of our products, and it's a solar panel. Yep. There are LED lights, and there's a battery. Hmm. And that's really what the form factor underneath uh, in our kitchen. That's what's in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. What we do around that, how we position that, how we market it, who we sell it to, um, the utility of it, that, that's variable. It's form and function put together. So for us, we think about making something that's beautifully designed so that the end consumer or whoever got deployed to anywhere around the world will value it mm -hmm. and take good care of it and use it. Uh, and then there's also the functionality of it. So it works really well. It's bright, but we can fit 50,000 in a container. Mm. Or a female entrepreneur in Togo can carry, you know, 100 of these around and sell them as wares. Because they're collapsible. Because they're collapsible. That's, yeah. They're inflatable, they but could obviously back they're collapsible. Yeah. The, and, and so, again, you know, the idea that, you know, there there's these hard components within, but we make a, a full solution for people all around the world. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges that's happening right now in our government is tariffs. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, and our government, the US government, is imposing tariffs on a whole slew of different items. Everything from corrugate, cardboard, yeah. to our lights. 
Um, and unless we get an exemption or exclusion on our lights, this is going to hurt our model, hurt our business, hurt our stakeholders, hurt our shareholders, mm -hmm. hurt our business community, hurt our customers because mm -hmm. the prices are going to go up, hurt sure. our retailers. And at the end of the day, it's going to hurt people we help. <laughs> yeah. And so understanding that trade, trade situations between countries are complicated mm -hmm. and sometimes more one-sided uh, depending on the country and, and the situation and beneficial for certain components of society more than others. Mm -hmm. Trade wars always hurt those at the bottom of the income mm -hmm. uh, ladder. And so, you know, that's something that I would suggest people reach out to their Congress people for because their representatives, because if you just sit around and allow this kind of stuff to happen, it's not just going to affect Empowered or all of our competitors or anyone who ships anything. Believe me, all the biggest retailers in the world are going to raise their prices. They're not going to take the hit. No. So every single consumer is going to pay for this strategy, which might be a noble strategy overall at sort of an economic, macro level, macroeconomic sure. level. But at a microeconomic level, this is going to hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so there's got to be better ways with diplomacy and other methodologies mm -hmm. to do this than trade wars. Because trade wars are harmful and hurtful. Yeah, I think it's, it's a difficult subject matter because there's a lot of things involved. And, and one of them is the patent infringement, right, that, that China sort of has mostly on technology. But people don't think of something like, oh, a light, how can that get stolen, right, as, as, as proprietary? Stuff, let, me, right? let me jump in, though. The policy that will go into effect, these are illicit, nefarious actors. They're not going to go by the law. Sure. They're going to find a way to get their products <laughs> to wherever they want because they found a way to make their products illegally. Yeah. They're going to find a way to distribute and ship their products illegally. So this isn't going to affect, quote, unquote, knockoffs, you know, white labeled, gray, black market products. Right. This isn't going to affect them at all. So that is a, is, is a misunderstanding of illicit activity. It's kind of like saying that because there's laws on pharma, it's going to affect illegal drug trade. Mm -hmm. and they're two different areas. It's not going to touch it. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to make it worse mm -hmm. because products that are legitimate will have to pay these tariffs and products that are illegitimate will find ways around it. So the idea that slapping tariffs on a country because they steal technology is just a bad idea to do it that way. Well, it's just ineffective. Yeah. It's going to do the opposite. And it's also going to hurt voters. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's going to hurt the people that are you're supposed to protect. Yeah. And so again, complex situation. Yeah. But that particular solve is not complex. Yeah. It's just a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, going back to a little bit more positivity right, right. We've, we've seen so I, I imagine starting from you know day one to this point now there has been a lot of progress right a lot of lights have been distributed a lot of lives have been impacted so let's talk a little bit about the successes and the lives impacted <laughs> uh, since since empowered has has pleased the world with this this beautiful product what is the successes so we've been able to affect three million lives to date and over five hundred thousand tons of carbon dioxide and um 
you know, that's just in our emerging markets. Uh, but we've been able to really introduce people all around the world to solar technology mm-hmm. and the joys and, and the freedom that it offers. So we're in over 90 different countries currently. Wow. And we've really expanded our repertoire. So we started with Lucy Inflatable Solar Lights. Um, last year, we launched uh, Lucy Solar String Lights, which are now trending as one of the top SKUs for us um, it's really great 18 feet great, of, yeah. of lighting um, and it's rechargeable and you can also charge your cell phone and we've had great stories from consumers who have used these for everything from you know lighting up their boats to their outdoor patios yep. to their rooftops going for picnics um, so again the, the concept of portability of being able to take your, your light and your mobile charging yep. device wherever you go is um, really transformative. Uh, we also came out with um, connected products, so the world's first portable Bluetooth light last year, and we're following up on that with a solar um, speaker, light, uh, circadian rhythm, and mobile charging device, yep. all yep. in one, so it's perfect for traveling. You're on the go, you want to wake up with circadian rhythm light, uh, you are okay. you know, out and you want to have a great sounding speaker as you're entertaining um, so we're really moving into you know really pushing the boundaries not just being a light it's brings much more to the table than that and that's what separation exactly <laughs> um, we also are going to be debuting a solar bike light Mm-hmm. So again, taking the concept of solar, yeah. uh, the front and the back of the lights snap together by a magnet mm-hmm. so they can charge by one solar panel. And then when you're ready to use them, you just snap them apart, mount them on your bike. It's a rechargeable light via USB or you can charge by the sun. Mm-hmm. So lots of great technologies coming out. Um, we've been able to really um, expand our, our marketplace, the, the people to whom we're we're educating on solar. Um, So I should actually mention we also have a solar light kit that we sell primarily at Barnes & Noble as our lead retailer. And um, it was created because we wanted to teach the next generation about how solar actually works. It's a big thing. Yes. So um, the kit is actually... uh, it was inspired, you know, by Lucy. So it's sort of like a deconstructed Lucy where you can see all the different parts, solar panel, battery, um, circuit board, etc. And then the, the kids can put it together and we developed a curriculum with MSU. Um, we sell through public schools nationwide in addition to retail partners. So, um, for us, you know, the success comes not only in, helping lives around the world, but also educating and improving um, lives and helping people wherever they are, like do what they'd like to do because they have the power of of light and um, information storage via their phones in the palm of their hands. One, one quick story just on sort of an emerging market scenario. One of our really great partners from ArcPoint Labs, they send out lab kits. Um, his name is John Constantine, and uh, he's very mission-driven himself. And he went to Africa uh, and gave our lights out to people that needed them, you know, for entrepreneurship or, or school, etc. And there was a boy who was kind of falling behind, etc. Give him a light. Came back three years later to find that the kid could read. Mm-hmm. 
He's completely fluent. Could speak English now. Completely fluent. He couldn't speak English before. Right. Um, has a full scholarship. <laughs> you know, and his story to us, you know, I mean, he was an ambassador, not of our brand. He was an ambassador of humanity, mm-hmm. but our light is just a tool. Yeah. And he was so moved and he continues to go back to these villages, etc., and to these kids to make sure he can create more of them. Because there's no reason why someone should be um, growing up anywhere in the world today yeah. with the technology that we have as a, as a species and, and not be able to learn how to read and write and, yeah. and take control of their future. Yeah. And for him, it was one of the most moving things he said that's ever happened in his life. Two things. One was, you, you mentioned when you were growing up, you didn't, you had the kerosene sort of light as it had has that changed over years and where you grew up have has that or is it still similar and are you able to go back and help where you grew up with with this product now that so where i grew up um has changed substantially for me <laughs> as a country has um it's now the most wired country in the world um wow. But with that said, there there are still pockets of um, rural poverty primarily um, all across Asia, including Korea. And then um, North Korea is one of the least electrified places in the world. And I can't go into too many other details here, but I did learn that somehow our lights made it into North Korea, um, which is astounding because uh, the one country where people have no personal freedom, I just dream that maybe somebody can now work or read or do whatever they like to do under the power of a Lucy light. So I I hope that that's the case. And then one other comment, you know, when we moved to the U.S., um, we were still poor. And even in the U.S., I I, want to say there are pockets of poverty or places that aren't completely electrified or, you know, of course, plenty of natural disasters these days. And we're really proud um, to be agnostic about, you know, where we sell our products in terms of, you know, we're not just trying to sell our products, you know, on the East Coast Mm -hmm. or, you know, in California where people love solar products. We have really strong business, for instance, on um, Native American reservations. Um, in areas of the Midwest and the Southwest where there aren't a lot of retail stores, where there are communities that sort of live under the poverty line. And we've seen um, some of our retailers who service these communities have really strong sales of our solar lights. And that indicates to us that here in the U.S. even, it is a necessity for some people. And, you know, I remember when I was growing up, we did have to make choices. Do we use the electricity or do we buy food? And it's something that people don't talk about as much anymore because there's an assumption that we've all sort of moved up in terms Mm -hmm. of economic status. Um, And these things aren't talked about. I remember, you know, going to school as a child and I was always told, don't talk about what we don't have. Mm. Um, And I can only imagine, you know, if we had a solution like this at home where we didn't have to make a choice and it was fun like this. And, um, you know, all you have to do is put it out in the sun. Like, 
that would have been different for mm-hmm. us. So, um, yes, thankfully, you know, I, I only spent a few years living with the kerosene lamp, but what's so important for us is, is having this product, ensuring that it's affordable, distributing it globally so that anyone who really needs it mm-hmm. or wants it right. can have access to it. 